Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Nahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'd. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And so, uh, where do we leave off? Uh, I think we're still, we were just about to do taqwa. I'm sorry? Or, what were you saying? I was just saying we're like on the ayah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so... So at the end of ayah 2, it says that this is guidance for those who have taqwa. And so now what's going to happen is in in the the next two ayahs, we're going to have attributes of the people of taqwa. Which ayah? Ayah 3 and 4. So once again, ayah, ayah 2 at the end is saying, guidance for those who have taqwa. Now in ayahs 3 and 4, we're going to have attributes of those who have taqwa. Do you remember how do we define taqwa? Um, it's like walking in the forest with like a thin shroud. Mm-hmm. And you're like gathering around each other. Yeah, exactly. And alertness, awareness. Yeah. Uh, so it's walking through the forest with a thin, a thin shroud to protect yourself, bringing it close to yourself to protect yourself. Or carefully looking at where every step is. So you're always on guard. You're always alert. And so literally we said to have taqwa is to shield yourself. And you're, shield, you're shielding yourself with Allah or with what Allah Ta'ala is providing for you to shield yourself with. And so in these two ayahs, we have six attributes of the people of taqwa. Number one, they believe in the unseen. Number two, they establish salah. Number three, they give of what we have bestowed upon them. Number four, they believe in what was revealed to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Number five, they believe in what was revealed to those before him. And number six, they're certain of the hereafter. So these are six attributes of the people of taqwa. Elsewhere in the Quran, we have other attributes, but here's six, and we're going to go through them piece by piece, inshallah, and also look at what is common among these various attributes. So the first attribute is alladhina yu'minuna bil ghaib. They believe in the unseen. And so what would you include in the ghaib, in the unseen? So jinns is almost always the first thing that undergrads mention. What else? What else is in the unseen? Angels. Angels and jinns. Angels and jinns. What else? Souls. Soul. Sir. Nafs. Yeah, nafs is in the unseen. Your soul is in the unseen. Yes, what else? I mean, uh, nafs, uh, uh, soul would be more your ruh. Okay. What else? The hereafter. Hereafter is in the unseen. Absolutely. What else? Anything? What else? Is, what else is in the unseen? <laughs> and I often wait to see how long it is before people mention Allah Taala. Mm-hmm. Allah Taala is in the unseen. <laughs> oh yeah, we forgot to mention him. Angels, <laughs> jinns, the future, so forth and so on. Four steps in. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And so, what else is in the unseen? So things relate to the future, like the hereafter, heaven and hell are in the unseen. Past. History is also in the unseen. Yes, I got so. Right, so in Surah Yusuf, Allah Taala is telling the Prophet, peace be upon him, "You were not here when these events happened. We are narrating these to you from the ghaib. And so, ultimately, what we're saying: there are beings that are in the unseen. So there's Allah, 
who's in the unseen, then there's these beings that are in the unseen, angels, jinns, etc. Might be other creatures. The future is in the unseen. History is in the unseen. To believe in them. What's the difference uh, in our society when we say we believe in something? What does that mean? We think it's true. Yeah, we usually mean that we take it as true, but we can't prove it. In this context, to have iman in something, it means you're secure in its truth. So it's not even a question of trying to prove it or not prove it, or having evidence for it or not. You are secure in its truth. That's what it means to have iman in something. Okay. So you have you are secure, you feel secure in the truth that there is Allah, that there's angels, that there's jinns, that there's an akhirah, uh, a hereafter, that there is these things from history. So now here's a question. <clears throat> How does belief in the unseen parallel Alif Lam Mim? So think about the, the things we mentioned previously about Alif Lam Mim. How does belief in the unseen parallel that? So part of it, we're basically saying that I don't know if this has meaning. Uh, but Allah knows. If this has meaning, Allah knows what it means. So by uh, what we're saying about Alif Lami, we're saying there's limits to my knowledge that Allah is not limited by. Belief in the unseen, we're saying there's limits to my perception that Allah is not limited by. Okay. So this would be part of belief in the unseen. Okay. And then what's the second one? To establish Salah. So Salah here is referring, you know, to, to the five daily prayers and such. What does it mean to establish them? To make them firm. Okay. So, so it's to make them firm and think about this as an ongoing process. That, uh, that you establish Salah by repeatedly establishing it. Okay. And to take this further, what are we saying? We're saying that this becomes part of your day. It becomes a fixed part of your day. So different levels of establishment of Salah. One is that you're firm in making them. A higher level than that, which, but it also means that you're fitting it in into your day. A higher level than that is you're organizing your day around your Salah. Okay. The third one uh, is... So they give of what we have bestowed upon them. First, yunfiqun, infaq. Infaq is usually being translated here as to give or, to, or giving or spending. Infaq is to give to the point of exhaustion. So we're saying the people of taqwa, they give to the point of exhaustion. But what are they giving? They're giving of the wealth that we have bestowed upon them. Who's we? Allah. And so this is what we call the royal we. So what other languages do you all know? Spanish. Spanish. Arabi. Anything else? French. Uh, French. French. Chinese. Okay. Really? Uh, he's like, yeah, I got them all. I know all the languages ever. So, so for example, Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 3. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're going to be in Surah Baqarah pretty much for the whole school year, inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> the, next, yeah. I, the next year is not probably, actually, yeah. which is bad if we go this pace. So, so if in French you're speaking to someone informally, what pronoun do you use? And what, what uh, if you're speaking formally, what do you use? Vous. And what does vous literally mean? Well, is that you plural? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Spanish. Uh, if you're speaking to someone informally, what pronoun do you use? Tu. What do you use if you're being formal? Usted. What's usted? Plural you. What is usted? Yes. Actually, usted is... It's not plural you. Okay, but what, where does usted come from? It comes from usted. Usted. No, no, which is still, it's still most likely coming from ustad. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, and so in Urdu, quick question, Urdu speakers. If I'm speaking of myself informally, what pronoun do I use? Okay. You just literally guessed that? Or? No, I was going to say that's Hindi, but like, wait to see. Yeah, Hindi as well. Okay. Now, if I'm speaking of myself formally, what pronoun do I use? All of you who know Urdu or Hindi. What? Hum. Yeah. What is hum actually? We. So, this is the royal we. Now, when do we find the royal we being used in the Quran? Number one, it is not only Allah who uses it. That we have individual, we have people who also use the royal we in the Quran. But anytime anyone's using it, it seems to be in the language of authority. So, especially when Allah is speaking of himself as providing. As is the case here, we're in Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, Ayah 3, in case you happen to have your apps. Um the whole, the whole, the whole class we have just canceled. Out. Okay, so we are uh, uh, here. Allah is speaking of Himself as providing, and uh, and so here we see the pronoun "we" being used. Razaknahum. Okay, but the people of Taqwa, what else is part of their outlook? They're giving to the point of exhaustion of whatever Allah has bestowed upon them, but they're also seeing everything they possess as being bestowed upon them from Allah. So this is a two-part thing. So not only are they giving so much, but they're also seeing what they own as coming from God, potentially saying, seeing what they own as something they do not own. And take that to its full conclusion, that if we look at everything we possess as being owned by Allah, then by extension that means what else? It means my time, it means my body, uh, it means my future, my aspirations and such. So that's a level of faith. That's a level of faith that is not easy to attain. Okay. So now we have a hallway full of Muslims walking around with with, uh, pumpkins. Okay. So how does so we talked about how believing in the unseen parallels alif lam mim? How does establishing salah parallel what we've said about alif lam mim? Dun dun. This one's a little bit more difficult. So I mean, it's like I'm going to get it before everyone else. Okay. You probably will. <laughs> so what we're saying here is that the effect of the steps of Salah 
that there is an effect there beyond what I can see or recognize, right? So Alif Lamim, we're saying there's knowledge that is beyond my knowledge. Belief in the unseen, we're saying that there is a world or worlds beyond my own perception. There are things to be perceived beyond my own perception. In establishing Salah, we're saying there's an efficacy to my action, specifically the action of Salah, beyond my perception of it. So then having said that, how does the third attribute, giving to the point of exhaustion of what Allah has bestowed upon them, how does that parallel all the ones that came above? Dun, dun. You're giving for a purpose that... You're giving for the, the fact that you believe in Allah. Okay, take it further. That like what he has bestowed upon you is not yours. Okay, I mean, you just so basically just repeated the ayah, so, yeah. So, so in, in, in giving it away, you're really not giving it, you're just returning it. Okay, so, so, so try to frame it in parallel with all these things. So part of what we're saying is that uh, I'm believing that there is an effect to giving beyond just, here, me giving this wealth. And that includes, I'm believing that the source is also beyond my perception, meaning coming from Allah Ta'ala, yeah. Um, now think about this from another perspective. When people are giving, uh, what makes it hard to give? So let's say someone is coming to you asking for, for some money, and you uh, are, in theory, completely without need of the money. Yet it's hard to give. Why? Because of your future family. Okay. <laughs> future family. Oh, you're making a joke about the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, I have I have four four ways of giving. Okay. So like, there's four types of. Oh, sorry. This is four types of receiving. I'll change the word. Change the meaning. To give, to give, utilitarian. To give, but expect to receive. Conventional reciprocating. To give. No, that's not. I'm crashing right now. I'm going to scratch two. Like, is this like, from one of our classes here? Two. No, it's from some. It's from oh. my research. Okay, I got scared. I said it because I don't remember ever saying this. <laughs> but okay, okay, but it was still a good try. So a good try. So yeah, mashallah. Thank you. So what makes it hard is related actually to your point is uh, I have not needed the money yesterday, the day before, but I might suddenly need it tomorrow. That's what makes it hard to give. Uh, it could also be, okay, I worked so hard for this, and so it's hard for me to let it go, especially if someone else is not going to value this. But if we're saying that Allah is the one who uh, is, is providing, then I can't really use the argument that I worked so hard for this. But if we're saying the wealth is coming from Allah, we're also saying the struggle is coming from Allah. So if I'm giving, I'm also trusting that the one who would hit me would struggle is also uh, not going to hit me with something I cannot handle. Did they all leave the pumpkins there? In the sure hope not. With the I mean, they, 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 walked, uh, they walked in direction, that direction with pumpkins. Now they're walking back without pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, it's literally, it's gonna... Yeah, in case. Pumpkins need to pray too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, right. Okay. So, <clears throat> fourth attribute. Uh, they believe in what, that which has been sent down to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Okay, what has been sent down to the Prophet? The easy answer is? 
Quran. What else has been sent down to the Prophet, peace be upon him? The Sunnah. So we actually categorize both of these as uh, Wahi. Uh, uh, wahi Matlu, uh, recited revelation, and Wahi Ghair Matlu, non-recited revelation. So the Prophet, peace be upon him, has actually received two forms of revelation. One which is essentially the Quran, recited revelation, and then one that is non-recited revelation. So it's found in the Hadith, but Sunnah and Hadith are not the same thing. No, there, there, there would be non-recited revelation. So hadith, uh, uh, so someone define for us what are the hadith, anyone? You should know, you took the class. But, so anything the Prophet said, did, did, or? Seemingly approved of. Or anything he witnessed seeming to give approv- uh, approval. So those are reports. Sunnah is what? Sayings. So sunnah would be his regular practices. Okay. So hadith includes everything which has sunnah in it. But hadith and sunnah are not the same except for the Hanbali school. So one of the schools of law, hadith and sunnah are exactly the same thing. But um, by and large, sunnah would be those things that he did regularly. And then even sunnahs, we would give subcategorizations. Those things that he said to do and those things that he did but he didn't say to do. So for example, he's saying, all right, you should give charity all day long, every day with every one of your joints, and even a smile is charity. Okay. It's like a... Yeah. Okay. Um, But uh, he would wear a ring. He didn't tell the companions to wear a ring. Okay. Fifth attribute. They believe in what has been revealed before. Okay, so how many prophets are there in the overall Islamic tradition? There's a number. There's a number that's commonly given. Yes, there is a number. Are you going to look up in Google? Yes. Sorry? And what was the second number? 124,000. 124,000. Yeah. Where do we get that number from? Is it messengers or isn't that? Prophets. Every nation. So you know that there's 124,000 nations? Yeah. <laughs> So when the prophet was on the night journey, he said that's how many prophets he saw. Um, how many messengers or revelations of scripture were there? That's a number that often is harder to find. Higher. How many? How much did you say? He said four. I mean, the Quran mentions five. Yeah, it mentions five. But there are there like Zabur, Taurat, Injil, Quran. What's the fifth one? <laughs> Suhufi. Sahih Musa. Suhufi. Blank wa Musa. Oh, Sahih Ibrahim wa Musa. Yeah. Okay. Um, so the Quran mentions five. 313. 313. So, Torah is different than Sahih Musa. Torah is Suhufi Musa, but Suhufi Ibrahim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so 313 revelations, 313 messengers. So, what is being said here? That the people of Taqwa believe in all of them. Built into the belief in all of them is the belief that they all have the same uh, core message, uh, even if the texts have been changed or lost through time. Now, number six, they, is, they are certain of the hereafter. What's the difference between belief and certainty? You can prove certainty. 
Can you? You can, you can demonstrate it. Okay. So, uh, give me an example of anything you are certain of. Absolutely, no question, certain. You're asleep in your office. Am I asleep in my <laughs> office right now? I mean, when you're on office, you fall asleep in your office. I mean, that's very often true. Yeah, okay, okay, I'll give you that, yeah. Okay. Um, anything you are certain of? You are certain, without doubt whatsoever, no doubt at all. Yes, certainty. Mashallah. Right. Anything else? Uh, what are you certain of? You're certain those shoes are white. You are a hundred percent, without doubt, certain. No doubt. Zero. They don't quite look white to me. They look. <laughs> the holes make it black. And there's a bit of gold on it. What? And then, I mean, then there's like the, along the edges, it, it looks kind of like. Yeah. Actually, dare, dare I say dirty? Okay, yeah. fine, fine. I mean, they're they're not black, right? Yeah. Anything else? Are any of you certain of? Like, even when I say certain, I have to say it with such <laughs> emphasis. Suha, are you certain of anything? You are certain, <laughs> without doubt. Yes. Okay. Kyle, are you certain of anything? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Rashidi, are you certain? <laughs> certain. I am certain. Not sure. Of certain. what? No, you tell me. Okay. <laughs> Are you certain? I am certain that when you're in your office every day, you're asleep at one of those moments. Okay. I am certain that inside that office, when you're there, you will fall asleep. Okay, but those are two different statements. I know they're from there. You're certain of both of them? Yeah, I'm certain of the first one. Okay. Are you sleep in your office. Okay. Factually wrong. Okay. Anyone else certain of anything? Now, if you said it, you're certain that I'm often, then you know you could have. Okay. <laughs> the second one, I don't know. So, it's inter interesting. None of you have mentioned you're going to die. Are you certain you're going to die? I won't die. So. You're not certain. You're certain you're not going to die. Um, I'd say certain, but. Okay. I mean, do you mean die of soul or your body will die? I didn't even specify. Okay, what if I, what if you are certain, certain your body will die? No. <laughs> you just, you just said you were. Your body, but then, I don't know. Yeah. It, it'll die and then it'll be resurrected. Are you certain that you will die? Yeah. You are certain. I mean, we're. Without doubt whatsoever. We can. Certainly going to die? You know, with emphasis on the s certain. I mean, You're like, not even going to respond, okay? Are you certain? Are you I certain? You to okay. <laughs> my, my eyes tend to, yeah. Rashidi, are you certain you're going to die? Certain. Yes. Sorry? Okay, fine. We're going to die. Okay. Hadia, right now, but we're gonna Hadia what are you absolutely certain about? Well, one thing I'm certain about is I hate you, Muzaffar, but... <laughs> What are you? What are you certain about? Honestly, nothing. Nothing at all. Thank you. So you're not even certain you're gonna die. Well, 
obviously, but... So you are certain you're going to die. I'm going to die someday. I don't know when. Yeah, I didn't say when, but you're certain it's going to happen. It's going to happen, yeah. Certain. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. Same thing? I'm certain I don't know where this conversation is going. That is why we take the class, yeah. <laughs> are you certain you're going to die? No doubt whatsoever. Okay. So now let's really make this fun. Okay. Are you certain that there's a day of judgment coming? Yes. You are certain. Yes. No doubt whatsoever. No doubt, 110%. Don't need to prove it to me. Just tell okay. me once and I'm certain. Okay. I'm very sure. Okay. Like, let the record stay that I'm sure about that. Okay. Are you certain... And you don't have to fall for peer pressure here. We're not going to feel bad if you don't say yes. Are you certain there's a day of judgment? Yes. No doubt whatsoever. No. Yes, no doubt whatsoever. Wow. No doubt whatsoever. No mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, you're not, you're not going to lose points if you say no. You're not going to lose points. I don't know. Okay, so there you're, therefore you're just saying, no, I'm not certain. Yeah? Fine. No. Okay. Yeah. Are you? Without certainty. Without certainty. Without certainty. No. Certain. Without a doubt. There is a difference. You're certain. Yes. You're certain. Okay. All right. We're going to test all y'all. Are you certain? Well. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Flipping the question. Certain. No, 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 no. It's one continuous. Okay. Okay. So here's the test. Here's the test. Ready? So, here's the test, and I won't ask you to answer this to me, as I expose all of you as a bunch of frauds, except for you. Okay, so four, five, six. Look at all of your conduct from the moment you woke up today till now. And if you replay that whole day, was that the conduct of someone who is absolutely certain of the hereafter and certain of the day of judgment? Everything that that person did from the moment they woke up to now. You just think about it for yourself. The answer is probably no, even though you might be saying yes. What if it is? Sorry? What if it is? Well, I hope that it is. Because I live my life that way. Okay. I hope that you do. Can you elaborate on what it means? Okay. So, so let's take it to its full conclusion. So if I'm saying I'm certain there's a day of judgment, I'm certain I'm going to be held to account for every choice that I made. Okay. And also in that is the option to perhaps reach the top level of paradise or any level below or the bottom level of hell. Okay. So which would mean that I did not waste a single moment. And not only that, every single moment I had, I maxed out. Okay. From the moment I woke up to whatever it is I did today. Now, it doesn't mean I didn't take a nap, you know, in the day. Okay. It does. Uh, um, doesn't mean I didn't sleep. Uh, but uh, if you look at every single moment that I had, uh, so perhaps could mean that, all right, if the, if the fudger prayer is five, whatever, that I actually woke up earlier and performed night prayers as well as recited Quran and everything, performed, performed the fudger prayer. Uh, it's recommended in the Quran to even recite Quran after the fudger prayer. I did that too. Uh, I did these additional prayers, all of them throughout the whole day. Didn't miss any of them. 
uh, all that I have spoken has not just been truth with no falsehood, but has been uh, maximum in terms of appropriateness, uh, as well as manners and such. And then on top of that, uh, all the commitments that I have made, uh, whether it's a commitment on behalf of my, let's say if my parents are paying for my education, they're paying for me to do my schoolwork, which means I'm also doing all of my schoolwork, the whole thing, that if I can say 100%. Okay, so how do we know what is truth? Well, here, here it's saying it's not a question of truth or not, but that we will get to a little bit in Aya 23. Well, that part, I think, is just no lies. Okay. Yeah, right. Well, uh, at that, anyone who walked into your office, myself much included. Say it again? Uh, well, all on that note, then, anyone who's walked into your office, including myself, is flunked. It's flawed? Flunked. Flunked why? On, on that. Why? So... I thought about it again. That's why it's in my mouth. Okay. Yeah. And so, so it doesn't mean that you're in nonstop prayer. Uh, and it also allows, if you have done it, for all the places you've fallen short that you've sought forgiveness to. Again, we're talking about the people of Tukwa. We're not talking about what does it take for me to pass. We're talking about the people of the Tukwa, the elite. Okay. So that's what I'm saying. So it's easy for me to say, yeah, I'm certain of the hereafter. My actions will show what I truly believe. Right. Likewise, if I truly am certain that I'm going to die, am I living, does my life show that I'm living uh, with the certainty that I'm going to die? I mean, it doesn't necessarily contradict it, but if I truly believe that I can die at any moment, more often than not, my actions will probably not show that. More often than not, my actions will show that, yeah, I got more time to do whatever. So. Okay, in any case, so these are six attributes of the people of Taqwa. And... I have five sums it up. These people are on guidance from their Lord and they are successful. So we began this section by saying they are these this is guidance for those who have taqwa. And we're saying these are the people of guidance, and then these are six attributes of those people. What is the success of the people of taqwa? Ula ikahumul muflihun. So what are the what is the success that is being spoken about here? One is obvious, success on the Day of Judgment. What else? What about this world? What is the success of the person of taqwa? So think of it from the perspective of... of uh, uh, it includes to pleasing Allah, uh, but that would manifest on the Day of Judgment. right? Uh, and so what we're speaking about here is they have they understand reality for what it is. And they have contentment with Allah. So we'd rephrase it by saying they're pleased with Allah. So these are the attributes of the people of Taqwa. The next one, uh, we should probably save for next time, because it'll have a whole discussion. But we can introduce the concept. So Ayah 6 and Ayah 7. Inna ladhina kafaru. Regardless of what your translations say, it's almost always... Uh, insufficient as a translation. The translation would be, as for those who have rejected. Past tense, plural. Most of your translations will say, as for the disbelievers, or something like that. Mm-hmm. As for those who have rejected. Sawa'un alayhim. It is the same for them. Antartahum. If you warn them, amlam tunthirhum. Or you don't warn them. La yu'minun. They will not or they do not believe. Okay. Is that do not, will not? Or? 
So, so that form is the imperfect. Okay. So perfect means the action is completed. Imperfect means the action is not completed. Okay. Yeah. And then ayah 7. So Allah has sealed, has put a seal on their hearts, and on their hearing, and then put on their, on their sight like a, a veil or a covering. And for them is, is a horrendous doom. Okay, so a couple definitions again. So in the way we spoke about taqwa, what does it actually mean? Uh, it's to shield yourself. Kafir, in the Quranic context, is someone who has rejected. Okay. Kafir, in a legal context. By legal, what do I mean? You're only focused on externals. You're not including the condition of a person's heart. Then you're Muslim or you're Kafir. Okay. In the Quranic context, it's not like that. Quranic context, you can be Muslim, you can be monafic, which we haven't talked about. Kafir is someone who feels compelled to turn to God, and they suppress that compulsion. Mm. That's when someone becomes a kafir. It's a condition of the heart. Mm. It can be the result of action. Uh, in today's world, it is harder to be a kafir by way of action, but in a nutshell, it basically means you are willfully attacking someone because they believe in God then that makes you a kafir. Which means uh, a non-Muslim in the Quranic context is not the same as a kafir. Kafir in the Quranic sense, because you're talking about the whole person, not just the condition of the heart, is someone who feels compelled to turn to Allah and they suppress that compulsion. That's when someone becomes a kafir. And you can reach a point of no return in that condition. That's more of what's being described here. People have reached the point of no return. But think at the time of the Prophet, peace be upon him, there were people who fought and attacked the Prophet, peace be upon him, but then later became Muslim, later became super important Muslims. So we should also not assume, naturally, that if someone is taking a wrong route, that they are without redemption. Here we're talking about people who've reached, who've gone beyond that point. Whether you warn them or do not warn them, they will not believe. Allah has put a seal upon their hearts. Okay. Now, what I want you to think about for next week, we're going to stop here, but what I want you to think about for next week is which one is causing which? Are they rejecting because Allah has sealed them off? Or are they, is Allah sealing them off because they're rejecting? So this is the question of free will and predestination. Which we will explore. Okay, so look at Ayah 6. Beginning of Ayah 6, they rejected. Okay? Ayah 7 says Allah sealed them off. So imagine we added a word before Ayah 7. Is that word because or therefore? Meaning Ayah 6, they rejected because Allah sealed them off. Or Ayah 6, they rejected therefore Allah sealed them off. Predestination or free will? Yeah. Okay. So explore that and then we will discuss that in more detail, inshallah, next week. Any last questions about anything? Nothing? 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 You still certain about those shoes? Yeah, man. Okay, so usually when people speak about certainty, they speak about two things. One, is of the future, uh, either that there is a future or of death. 
or something related to the present. Mm. Like, I'm sitting in this room, my shoes are white and such. Those are the most common uh, answers. Okay, we'll start right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Nashadu la ilaha illa anta. Nastafirukana tuwilaik. Wa akhir da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.